AgileAmp shares stories of bringing agility and humanity into the workplace and beyond. Inspiring and provocative voices speak on topics from technology to business to living change. Dedicated to building a more agile world, Agile Amped is brought to you by Accenture. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Agile Amped. Today, we have with us Scott Frost, a safe fellow, SPCT, and uh, senior business agility transformation coach and trainer for Accenture Business Agility Global Practice. And he's coming today to talk to us about the safe 6.0 update and give us some insights. Welcome, Scott. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's great to be invited. So um, can you give us a little bit of a background about your relationship with SAFE and uh, what you've done in Accenture over the years? Certainly. Yes, I've been working in SAFE almost since the beginning. I started working in SAFE when it was SAFE 2.0 back in 2012, 2013. I got my SAFE uh, SPC 2.5 when all the exam was mostly still... uh, you know, typing it in and having it uh, reviewed. So it was all very open dialogue exam questions. And so I've been there since uh, a lot of the early days. And as for me, SAFE solved very quickly and very early this uh, scaling problem that we were having. I'd actually started my career more as a lean, uh, total quality management to QM, lean manufacturing, lean guy before I became... Uh, natural guy. And so that evolution of connecting lean and lean thinking and agile, putting it all together, and then using that to scale up throughout the enterprise really hit home for me and was one of those things that once I understood what Dean and team were trying to do, uh, was very much what I knew I would commit the next decade or so of my career. And that's what I've done. So I've worked on a lot of large scale transformations um, prior to our company being acquired by Accenture five or six years ago now uh, you know we were implementing a lot of arts and it was all about train everyone launch trains right because it was really getting you know all the companies out there all the agilists out there all the lean folks out there over the hump of understanding what transformation is at scale and how all of these lean principles and practices combined with that agile development and systems thinking, how all of that could fit together. So now that we've crossed that chasm, you know, now we're off into the next evolution. And I think over the years as SAFE has evolved, um, 6.0 is really the first sort of full version that's on the other, completely on the other side of the chasm. And that's why, you know, one of the big mantras of SAFE, which used to be, you know, train everyone, launch trains, is really now work differently, build the future. Because everyone understands what it takes to train everyone and launch trains. And now we're really into that next evolution. So, um, yeah, I I see that there's now a bigger focus on the business agility aspect and and looking broader at uh, the business agility value stream. Could you Give us a little bit more detail on that. Explain what that means and and how that changes safe. Yeah, I think, you know, with all the elements of what's new in safe, focusing on really getting out beyond just the single development value stream. Everyone used to see, and in fact, the 
picture behind me is is the previous version 5.1 picture uh, we weren't allowed to get all the new pictures until march 15th and so i didn't want to uh, print that out too early um, but everything that everyone knows about the safe big picture that's really almost exclusively all the development value stream so now with this with more of an emphasis on business agility and extending um past development value stream and into the rest of the company, right? We've had lots of success in a lot of the big companies that I've worked with, uh, in, with, you know, agile in HR, safe in marketing, safe in finance operations, and extending that to all the operational steps of the organization and really looking at it much more than those people who are building large systems to those operational companies who are running large companies and trying to do things in a much more, you know, business opportunities emerge into here's how we sustain, grow, manage, you know, and run those things. So I think that business agility value stream is first about the transformation, <laughs> you know, how long does it take? to completely yep. change the way we f do work and flow work through the system. Uh, but it is also about that creating us an enterprise that is capable of that sense and respond opportunity. You know, it, it has things like MVP, um, organizing around value, connecting the customer constantly and delivering that MVP, um, built into the DNA of the organization. And I think most companies are still a long way from that, but a lot of companies are working very hard to get out beyond, you know, just the uh, development value stream and get into that space. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, all the all the clients I've worked with, that's where the, the big juicy transformation can happen, right? Where you have your really great, efficient delivery mechanism, but if you can not come up with the, the, the blue ocean new transformational idea, then... Uh, the growth of the organization is going to be just marginal, right? So, yeah, makes sense yep. to me. Cool. Yeah, and you know, the what everyone always wants to know is how do we how do we measure it and how do we grow it? Yeah. And so I think that business agility uh, value stream image that um, Safe has put together, where there's a focus on the competencies it takes to run, you know, to grow and build that the flow metrics themselves, including the, you know, flow framework, and then the outcomes, right? Uh, understanding that metrics are necessary to help measure the solution, but it's the, the outcomes, uh -huh. right, that we're delivering that we care most about. And so having a, you know, much more in parallel um, understanding around those three things and how flow works and how distribution velocity, time, load, yep. um, how all of that fits in to how we run the businesses of today. Uh, that's really what, you know, SAFE is trying to re-emphasize. Yeah, it's people very about. clear that there's a there's a focus now on the flow, the, the naming convention at each level, and also the, the focus on the flow accelerators. Um, from my experience yeah. with clients, having that baseline basically shows whether you're successful or not. And if you don't have a way of measuring it, you can really kind of get unstuck with your transformation. So it makes sense for me. And clearly 
make sense to a lot of people, otherwise it wouldn't be in the in the new framework, yep. right? So yeah, cool, brilliant. Um, I noticed there was uh, changes or the updates to built-in quality. So I know in the previous safe context has always been a mention around TDD, BDD, and, and Lean UX, but it seems that they've kind of filled out or thought a bit more about the detail behind that and the domains. I don't know if you could give us a bit more context on that. What was the thinking there? Yeah, certainly. You know, so built-in quality, right, it's, it's all about flow, right? So if we have this pursuit <laughs> of perfection in the sense of making flow making value flow without interruption, then built-in quality is obviously very essential to that. Uh, so certainly from a yep. development perspective, whether you're talking about applications or systems or hardware or some combination of really complex cyber-physical things, we definitely need that high velocity, high predictability requires that built-in quality. And then one of the things that Safe did was kind of outline the these five key domain areas, which includes now business functional quality processes, um, business standards around quality, because without all of that, that end-to-end flow, you know, may have some impediments to it. So it's about improving that ability to innovate, scale, deliver, you know, regardless of the compliance and quality areas that they need, right? So, so we're really wanting to uh, add to that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So from a business function standpoint, like I said earlier, we're talking about marketing, sales, HR, finance, uh-huh. supply chain operations, right? Anything non, non-traditional, non-IT, uh, you know, do we have the most complex things in place? And I've had lots of examples over the years where once we've really accelerated the IT delivery, the software delivery, uh, the next barrier has been um, operations. One organization had um, the speed at which change could now be in, come in place to um, operationalize um, changes that they needed was great, but operationally they couldn't roll these out across the, the various globe, all the different users, uh, this was a very kind of uh, physical, hands-on uh, company. And so, you know, it took them 18 months, sometimes two years to roll out a big program that takes a lot of change where there's a lot of, of manual processes and engineering uh, technology based, you know, in the various places around the world. And so if IT is really fast and can do anything in eight to 10 weeks, uh, but the business can't function on that speed, you know, then how much did you really make a difference, you know, in the company in terms of true value flow? And so it's great for IT not to be the bottleneck, um, but it's not great for the company if they can't fix all the other disciplines. Uh, so that's really, I think, where Safe 6.0 is pushing to get beyond and get into that business value stream. Just from personal experience, I, I've been in a transformation where we, we had to stop because the head of ops was like, we don't have the capacity to handle this amount of change. <laughs> like, deliver less, please. So it is it can, the testing and that UAT and the, the, the user acceptance testing can can also be the bottleneck if you don't have a way of automating or, or building a sustainable approach to it, right? Yeah, and I think probably the thing that we use often, you know, because we love little snippets of... of uh, 
language to help us organize and center around the next level of change is that shift left. Mm. You know, we used to always, and if you were, once you'd launched the art, if you could shift left and get up into the areas of people who were, are handing requirements to the arts, then get them to think in a lean agile way and hand the requirements in that way. And then shift left to that. It's up to the portfolio and then shift left to connect to strategy, right? It's that same sort of shifting left within the enterprise and always looking for, you know, the next part of the organization, you know, upstream or downstream, you know, that need to transform in order to create that, uh, as close to perfect flows based system as you can. Yeah, and it's that end to end again, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Business needs to be involved to be able to do that end to end. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more detailed, but I, I see that the roles around or the term programs being completely removed from SAFE. I personally love it because it was always very difficult to deliver training on project to product and then talk about a whole program. Therefore, <laughs> the term program could really confuse people. So, yeah. Could you give a little bit of background of what, why we've dropped it, why it was there in the first place and where, where it's gone and, and what, what we've done with that in terms of the framework? Yeah, for sure. You know, why it was there in the first place is really simple. Um, as people were transforming their language, we had to tie it to connect to language people understood, right? So yeah. talking about things in terms of program predictability, Right. And program Kanban board was really to make the connection to what even then most companies were still in the project mindset. And you were, while you were executing and learning to become agile release trains and lean agile mindsets, you were still kind of converting back into cost accounting and running projects, you know, cost center. And it was only as time went by that you would sort of continue to shift left up and uh, and eventually change out even the finance and accounting uh, language. And so really it's finally about getting rid of that traditional program language, including the PMO, uh, as most organizations have shifted to VMO, Value Management Office, um, it, although, you know, for those of us who do a lot of acronyms and, you know, you're, you're wondering, like, are we really going to make that shift? But that's the, that's the goal. And so things like program board, uh, have become art planning board program. Epic is just art. Epic program increment is probably one of the biggest ones. PI, uh-huh. uh, is uh-huh. now planning interval, which it always has been a planning interval. And even it, when we were teaching classes and doing transformations, that's how we described it. It's a planning interval. Um, and so it's nice to finally get the language and the words to catch up the way we've been describing them. So, so that's generally um, how we've changed that. In fact, even go so far as, you know, the SPC certification, Safe Program Consultant, is now Safe Practice Consultant, SPC. Uh, so we've changed all those out. Uh, really to try to finally let go of that old language. Yes, and I, I noticed that they, they've changed the approach to OKRs to include transformation OKRs as well, which I think is almost similar in the way where you get engaged on a client to do a transformation program, and actually now it's no, you're going to be measuring OKRs as continual transformation, a living yeah. strategy and transformation approach, which I think is much more aligned to where we're going and where the conversations lead with with clients nowadays actually around how we approach transformation it's not no longer 
a Gantt chart of transformation, but actually a way of thinking, right? And a continuous improvement process, right? Yeah, and I, I've talked to many of our largest, most successful uh, safe transformations are, you know, that where truly it's enterprise-wide. You know, they will tell you that they're not done. They're never going to be done, right? It's now they're in this continuous mode of optimization and, and never being satisfied. Change fatigue is a real thing and companies have to watch out for it. But at the same time, it's, you know, constantly pursuing a level of perfection in the flow of value and just never being satisfied with where you are and always looking to, to refine it. And I think that's a great, you know, systems thinking world, that's a really great position to be in. You know, how sustainable will it be over time? That's what we're all, you know, very anxious to see. And certainly the companies that slip backwards are usually still holding on to the old ways of working in some fashion. And then that causes them to um, go back to the old behaviors. So, so hopefully this will help. Yeah. It really aligns with the way that I've always articulated safe. So I'm glad it's kind of aligning with the way I've always thought about it. Right. Um, so the other big change, I guess, is around um, the Scrum team, Kanban teams, changing the titles of, of Scrum Masters to Scrum Master slash team coaches. It's always been a bit of a tricky one to explain when we when we get to that level and everyone's probably heard about Scrum at that point and have maybe been in a Scrum team and then how that fits in with SAFE. Do you give a little bit of context for that? Because I, I realize you've removed, they've removed most of the terms around um, Scrum and, and focused on iterations, right? Yeah, what you know, obviously, what they're trying to do is balance, um, especially when you get into business teams, where Scrum as a framework does not necessarily align for all teams. So, you know, this constant critique we've had of, well, we're Kanban teams, but Safe still tells us we need a Scrum master, right? Okay. And it, it's this balance of trying to just get language correct. <clears throat> And we like this idea of team coach uh, because it is somewhat agnostic. And if you know, the material says scrum master slash team coach, let's call that transition, right? Transition state, right? If you have a scrum yep. team and you need a scrum master, great. You're, you're right where you need to be. Um, if you're using the word team coach to be somewhat role agnostic, who can help teams that are doing scrum, help teams that are doing Kanban, uh, move in and out smoothly um, with within business teams, then great. Team coach, you know, will definitely, you know, provide that set of responsibilities. And one of the things I, I like a lot about <clears throat> some of the language and role clarification is this new wheelhouse uh, that every role has, a, you know, clarity on. Like, here's the critical responsibilities it's kind of a responsibilities wheel um, that uh -huh. each role needs to focus on. It's not the only thing that they may need to do, but those are essential, you know, elements, you know, for that particular role. So I think as you, as people read through those roles, see how things have evolved, um, that will help, you know, I think defining those role, small role differences when you see some of the titles. Um, we definitely had to get away from just having scrum masters 
Yeah, because yep. it really it was causing a lot of consternation and a lot of teams who, who don't follow Scrum in that precisive way. You know, we all know that even Kanban teams within a planning interval will still follow the rhythm, you know, of the PI and of the whole Agile release train. So that part doesn't go away, but there's a slightly different nuanced view in terms of the role. Makes sense. So the the next topic I wanted to, to get your views on is uh, the new kind of business terms that we've added. I mean, these are concepts that I've probably talked with for a class before, but didn't have a noun for a, <laughs> a word to describe them. So it's quite not helpful that they, they've come up with these terms. But could you just take us through some of these safe business terms? So business enabled art and agile business train combined portfolios, because to be fair, this is really where where I work a lot with clients is, is okay, at scale, we have business operational value streams that interact with development value streams. So how does that interaction work? How do you fund that? Do you Does the portfolio just fund the development value stream then? What happens to the guys who are working in the BAU um, operational value mm-hmm. stream then? So I think, I think that's what we're trying to address here. And it's very helpful for me to, to understand the thinking that. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. That's exactly what we're trying to address. And, you know, with everything that we try to do, we try to find common patterns that are successful out in the industry of how people are actually using SAFE and how they're using this flow-based system to uh, organize, align, um, and connect with everything else going on. And so trying to push much harder, I would say push left into those business areas, that was a, a big focus you know, Safe 6.0 is really the culmination of almost two years worth of aggregated thinking, right? We've been working on it for a little while. Obviously, the pandemic shifted everyone. And this, in some ways, it, it was a forcing function that kept 6.0 from moving maybe at the pace we wanted uh, because we had to respond to, you know, rapid change and remote and, and everything else. But it also gave us some sufficient time to think and dig in a little deeper into these business areas. And, you know, business-enabled art, you know, where there really is that function to deliver a full solution end-to-end operationally, um, you know, from a sales, marketing, you know, data on the back end, whatever it is that you're trying to do. We're trying to create more alignment to the way the rest of the company works, as opposed to just being, um, given guidance within, you know, the development value stream. So you've got that, you've got the business train, which is, you know, whole, you know, sets of value streams. Um, you've got agile executive teams, which weren't really explained or codified before, um, business functions, trying to make that clear how that works and how do you combine operational value streams for delivering those business things with the development value streams that are building it. Because those have always sat outside. Operational value streams have always sat outside and served by the development value streams. Now there's a wrapper to put them all together, right? So I can have a portfolio that is truly end-to-end, defining both the development of the stuff, 
and the operationalizing and the selling and delivering and, and whatever that customer service side is, right, end-to-end. And we've seen that even back in the very first days. One of the first starts that I launched was a really large big pharma organization that had put a, I'll call it a wrapper around, everyone it takes to design, build, test, integrate, sell, market, financially track um, all that they were doing. And so they literally took and put everyone, whether you were IT, business, sales, marketing, and they put everyone in one cost center and said, you are the business. And even though that was 2013, that was this combined portfolio, operational and development value streams in one, at the time, one cost center, but in one part of the organization that could do it all and be as responsive as possible, right? To create the best flow, right? Of value through that system. And it worked very well for a long time, but it was not well described and safe for how that worked and how do you, how do you stand that up? Yes, totally. And every engagement I've had, it's been, that's been the kind of open question is, okay, we've got, we've defined our operational value streams. How do they then interact with the development value streams in in the kind of BAU working world, right? Yeah, so it's really good that that's clarified. I guess the question that comes up a lot with clients, and and actually I was discussing with my the team that I'm working with with my current client around the how do you draw the line between the operational value streams and the development value streams, and where do you because because we look in a lot of traditional enterprise where maybe their technology has been built up around their legacy architecture and therefore they're very systems driven and they've optimized for their technology. And then you have the operational value streams that are very commercially driven that are defined by their commercial products. In your experience of applying the kind of operational development value stream split, like how do you build that relationship in a way that kind of gets the best of both worlds? How normally do you work with clients to do that? Because I think that's one of the hardest things I've seen is like, we understand our value stream of, of the operational one. We understand our development value streams. That connection between them, is it is it a technical change to try and drive technology towards a closer alignment with the operational value stream? Is that what normally happens? Yeah. How, how does that work? I mean, it's really the ultimate organizing, right? Reorganizing mm-hmm. uh, around value streams and flow of value products and services, right? That's always been one of our biggest sort of purpose motives of transformation. Yeah. Uh, there's been removing inefficiencies, installing new institutional habits, increasing learning cycles, and certainly reorganizing around flow and flow of value is is essential. And I think it's just taking an integrated view of all of that. And if you take, take a true systems thinking into end, um, whether those, um, you know, and safe likes to use kind of color codings as visual cues, uh-huh. right? If you're the green chevrons or the light blue chevrons yep. of operational versus development, does it, while some would argue it matters greatly because you need to know which part of the system you're in and what you're optimizing for, in the end, does it really matter, right? If you have, you know, a true end-to-end view of how all of this interacts with the minimum amount of delays in the system, is the techniques of finding 
understanding those delays, the bottlenecks, those things that accelerate you and eliminating those problems to create a more optimum flow, does it really matter? Yeah. You know, I think while it does to some degree, and I'm certainly, there's probably a lot of folks that are saying, well, wait, yes, it matters a great deal. It does. <laughs> but at the same time, when you're trying to visualize a completely new way of seeing value move through the system and having these accelerators, then I would say it doesn't matter as much as people think it does. Um, and what you want to focus on instead, right, is that end-to-end, you know, continuous integration flow value. What I see a lot is two types of strategy, one commercially driven, one technology driven. And you're saying the the synergy from the technology is not going to drive as much value as aligning to the commercial end product that's going to be generating value for the organization, right? And so it's worth a little bit more cost in making it more aligned to that end operational value stream. Yeah. And, you know, the way we've organized in the past has always been a lot more governance structure, hierarchical, right? It's why we talk about SAFE as an operating system mm-hmm. that sits in between how work gets done and how the organization is structured, right? So yep. that operating models of the past, we want to have much more fluidity to them. If you were to reduce all the extra steps yep, um, and have a combined value stream that is just what we need to deliver things into in, eliminating unnecessary steps, unnecessary handoffs, right? Yep. That's the optimization of flow that you're looking for. Brilliant. Makes it very clear. So the final topic I think is that there's been added that's kind of maybe to be considered is the the AI big data and cloud addition to the concepts. It feels a little bit um, broad. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's very broad and I, I would say it while we mentioned AI, big data, and cloud in 5.1, uh-huh. we're trying to continue to push into these sort of what SAFE sees and what Gartner and others have said is like the most innovative technologies. Right? Right. Things that are going to dramatically change the nature of how we get work done uh-huh. and what we work on and how it all hit fits together are these three big topics. Yep. And so there are there's new articles, you know, new icons to kind of give it front seat, you know, for people to contemplate. Uh, they don't all function the same. And so Safe is trying to get just give those things a little bit more first class nature, knowing that they're going to continue to evolve, knowing that they're really essential to delivering the next evolution, right, of true innovation. Um, and that's really what SAFE is trying to kind of focus on. We're not trying to be the technologist. SAFE is not trying to invent anything here. They're trying to go with what the markets, the technology uh-huh. innovation players are saying are the three biggest, most critical things. Right. And then as time goes by, we'll we'll talk more about and here's what that means in the constructs of how safe it evolves, right? Because we're getting those questions, and I don't know that all the answers are there, but if you're going to produce like some cohesive set of interactions, interoperability, say, with the use of big data, then you want to know how is that going to align? How do I use that? 
across my organizational value streams, whether they be business, operational, you know, or development value streams. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a new, whole new set of things like, you know, DevOps came along? Is there some whole new thing like that for AI, for big data, for cloud that's different, fundamentally shifting? And so I think that's where, that's why you're seeing those out there and continuing to study those and add more content around it. Okay. Makes sense. I think it may have some fundamental impacts to the way an operating model in an organization works. So f- finally, we're, we're running out of time. I think we could talk about this all day, but um, <laughs> there's some a lot of detail and a lot of interest around these topics. I guess just to summarize, what do you think are the big takeaways that our listeners should take from, from the updates and what's the best way that they can go and learn more and, and start to put some of these these changes into practice? Well, having my background be in lean almost before it was in agile, even though I've been developing software um, since the early 90s, for me, the thing that I could take away and use at any stage or at any place, whether I'm working at the portfolio level or down within a single team, right, is the emphasis on flow and flow acceleration, right? So there's a great new workshop that if you haven't seen it or haven't used it, it's a really powerful tool set around what are the different barriers to flow? What are the eight accelerators of flow? Things that we know well, like visualizing limit whip, addressing bottlenecks, uh, but also some that we haven't focused maybe as much on, like there's one number seven, which is called optimizing time in the zone, right? That's that space that let's simplify it and say that's that headspace where you're like absolutely plowing through amazing amounts of work, getting a lot done. Um, how do we maximize that time as a team, as a team of teams, as a whole art, as a whole portfolio? How do we maximize that time? You know, and then even things like legacy policies and practices, even old language, you know, like program, those old languages also create barriers to flow. And so there's a new emphasis around that new set of material. If I think if you come from a Kanban or a lean background, you're going to be very pleased to see the, this added emphasis around flow without interruption. Right, this pursuit of perfect flow, even though perfection is never something you achieve, that that's really going to be something that I think a lot of teams are going to get very hands-on with and use that to improve the flow through their system. And that's that's what it's all about. So if 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 that's the one thing you go study, I think you can get a lot of very hands-on value improvement just from that one thing. Brilliant. I'm going do some uh, value stream uh, mapping just to make sure that I've mapped all my flows properly. Here you go. Great. Thank you very much, Scott. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, look forward to 6.1 updates. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for being invited. Yes. I'm sure those are already underway. (laughs) Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Scott. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Agile Amped. If you learn something new, please tell a friend, coworker, or client about this podcast. 
For more inspiring conversations, subscribe to Agile Amped on your favorite podcast app. If you have an idea for a topic or feedback on an episode, email us at agileamped at accenture.com. <laughs>